It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 6th, 2020. My name is Phil Prosper. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic... The NBA season has a return date, almost, kind of, sort of. We'll talk a little bit about the implications of the NBPA electing to start the season on December 22nd, a 72-game season, uh, and what that could possibly mean for the Magic. We'll refresh that conversation. We'll also finish up our conversation with Keith Smith and our preview of the of the NBA, of the Magic's offseason and what lies ahead. We'll talk a little bit today about what we see as the future of the NBA as well. Some interesting thoughts as everyone tries to map their way forward in this league. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all, you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching for every podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only get from a local expert who knows their team best. Get excited because coming up in the next couple weeks before the NBA draft, obviously, we have our annual Locked On NBA draft coming to Locked On NBA. This is a fantastic podcast. All of the Locked On hosts, so all 30 of us, 30 plus of us, are picking for our teams. We're in the midst of negotiating trades, trying to figure out how to best best improve our teams. And I can tell you that, yes, this is a really eye-opening exercise in some ways. I think I think we're seeing, I think personally, I'm seeing some things that I did not expect. Um, we're seeing certainly our draft play out the way it plays out, but I'm going to save that for when we actually do the draft. Plus, you'll get analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated when that time comes as well. So definitely check out Locked on NBA over the next couple weeks when we get uh, when we get this uh, uh, when we uh, finish up when we finish up the mock draft. It's going on right now. Check out all the great podcasts throughout the NBA to get the info on the teams that you think the Magic should be training for, like maybe the Atlanta Hawks or the Detroit Pistons or the Sacramento Kings or the or the, uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns or whoever it is. Check out all the great podcasts to search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Don't forget our other great podcasts across the network, whether it's the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, or College 2. There's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. So we finally got the news that we have all been eagerly waiting for. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for some sense of when the 2021 season would begin. And here it is. The Orlando Magic's NBA season will begin likely on December 22nd as the NBPA agreed to the structure that the owners had put out uh, of to start start the season before Christmas to keep that Christmas Day, that lucrative Christmas Day uh, day for the for the league, um, and to play a 72 game season. A lot else is not known. That's essentially just an agreement from the players saying, "Okay, fine." We will start the season in December, even though that means uh, about a two-month run-up for the teams that were de- went deep into the playoffs, a, a two-month offseason. It allows the league, again, to hold the draft November 18th, but it also allows the league to set the date of the start of the new year. You might notice, I don't know how many people listen on like Apple Podcasts or whatever, you might notice 
We are still in season four of Locked On Magic, even though the Magic season ended back in August. That's because I don't consider it a new season until the new season calendar begins. Usually that's July 1st. July 1st is, is the date set in the CBA, typically, of when the new calendar season begins. And it's essentially when the, the league flips over its books from the previous season to the new season. And that's, again, that's when free agency opens and, and all that jazz. So setting the season for December 22nd and setting kind of the parameters of what the season's going to be allows the league and the players to begin negotiating the financials. And this is going to be the big part. This is going to be a little bit of the tricky part for the league. Now they've got to renegotiate several key terms in the collective bargaining agreement. That's how much a salary cap is, the luxury tax stuff, um, the dates for when things will happen. And, you know, like you, we talk about Evan Fournier and his opt-out, that date has to be, re, that date has been perpetually reset, but that has, to, that has to be a final reset date for that as well. So we'll know whether Evan Fournier decides to opt out of his contract or not. That, that hasn't happened. Um, he did post a video this morning uh, of him leaving Paris with his, with his kids. So Evan Fournier will hopefully be back in town very, very soon, and he'll probably want to stay masked up and, and inside at that. Um, this is all to say that there is still a lot to go, uh, but it, you know, as Jonathan Isaac said Monday, um, you know, the, the, the league does want compromise, the players want compromise, there's a very good working relationship between the players and the owners, and by the end of this, even though some players were, were a little bit leery about coming back so soon, the players did seem to pass this for, uh, as a formality, and, and, and frankly, a lot of it is because there is a lot of money on the line. Um, you know, some I think I saw one estimate that if the NBA had delayed by a month, it would have cost the league five hundred million dollars or something like that. Um, which again is revenue that goes to the players. Um, the the way the league's uh, ba- uh, basketball related income formula is set up, fifty um, percent uh, it's about a fifty fifty split goes to the players. So every piece of revenue the player that the league makes, the players get a cut of that goes to their salaries. The other aspect of this that's going to probably be negotiated, and, 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 and I think this could be the most contentious part, is how much of the league's money is held in escrow, or how much of the player's salary is held in escrow. Essentially, because there's this 50-50 split of basketball-related income, the league requires that players put 10%, I think it's 10% of their salary in escrow. So all, 10% of the player's salary goes into like this, this giant bank account or this giant pot and at the end of the season, the league calculates its basketball-related income and determines whether they've met the split within certain parameters. So, you know, again, we'll use simple simple uh, math here. If it's a 50-50 split and the league makes, you know, a billion dollars and players' salaries are one and a half billion dollars, well, that's a pretty big that's a pretty big difference. So they keep that money that's put in escrow to kind of make up that difference. Now, because the league lost a ton of money last year and they've decided to keep the, the salary cap artificially high, the salary cap's going to stay the same, so about $118 million uh, this season. So all the salary cap and luxury tax levels will stay the same despite the massive losses the NBA took this season. Because of that, the league is going to negotiate uh, that more money be put into this escrow pot so they can get closer to that basketball-related income money number. That doesn't mean much. So, like, Nikola Vucevic is set to make $26 million. For salary cap purposes, he still makes $26 million. But in actual money that goes goes to him, the amount that's put in escrow is withheld from his salary and likely going back to the league as, as a form of, of, you know, repayment for, you know, paying more than what the players should have, giving the players more than what they should have gotten under the contract. There were reports... Again, I think this is a big, big uh, kind of stick that the that the that the uh, NBA 
held over the players throughout these negotiations, there were reports that if the NBA had waited until Martin Luther King Day, so mid-January to start their season, not only would it have been a 50-game season, so less revenue there, uh, not only would it have been that, the league also probably would have had to take 40% escrow. So imagine, just think of it on this this level, and I know these are massive amounts that the players are, that a lot of these players are making. In order to meet the basketball in order to meet the basketball-related income formula and the basketball-related income split and the CBA, the league would have withheld nearly half of every player's salary just to make sure they hit that mark. Again, that's a lot. That, that would have been a huge sacrifice. So a lot of money is at stake here, and absolutely, 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 the NBA, the NBA players probably were presented with all this financial information. They said, you know what? We, we get it. You know, the owners seem to, or the, 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 board, the board of governors seems to understand our trepidation about coming back so quickly, but there is just simply too much money on the line. And, and let's be frank, money was a big motivator for the, for the league going into the bubble and the players making that sacrifice to go into the bubble. Um, and, and everyone kind of understood that they have, to, they have to work through these issues in order to continue making, making money and continue to, to, to have their livelihoods here. Bottom line is, though, the NBA is looking like it'll be back December 22nd. It is looking like we will, certainly the NBA draft will be November 18th because Thanksgiving is around then. It looks like they're going to start free agency on December 1st. And that means a very, very, very quick turnaround from training, from uh, the end of the season to training camp. Um, you know, we, we, I think we talked about it uh, on our podcast last, yesterday with Keith Smith when we were discussing a little bit about uh, how the season might look. Um, the, the first thing that we said was, you know, there's probably going to be no preseason. You know, maybe they'll do regional two. Uh, preseason games. Uh, it's going to be a very rushed training camp, sort of like the 1999 lockout season. Uh, I, you know, honestly, like I would suspect that because of because of the shortened off season, you know, Keith and Keith and I discussed this on yesterday's podcast as well. Um, because of the shortened off season, I think we will see teams be a little bit more hesitant to make major moves. Um, teams that are certainly contending and looking to maybe get that last piece to get them over the top probably are not going to operate much differently. Teams that are at the bottom of the standings and looking to tank probably aren't going to operate much differently, but a team like the Magic is probably going to have to operate just a little bit differently. They're probably going to have to have to um, do things just a hair different uh, to make up for, uh, uh, just, just to make up for the lost time because they, they will not have the time to go out and make the kind of strategic moves that they really, really want to make. And especially for a team like the Magic, I've said this throughout the entire offseason, I suspect that despite Jonathan Isaac being out, they still want to make the playoffs. They still want to be a competitive team. I suspect that making a major move and not having a full training camp to to fully integrate that player is going to make that extremely, extremely difficult. So that's kind of where the NBA stands. The NBA is planning to be back December 22nd. We'll see free agency pick up very, 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 very fast. I've got some free agency thoughts. Um, we'll get to those uh, in, in, a short, in a short time. But for now... Let's get back to our conversation with Keith Smith uh, and finish up uh, our, our discussion on the Orlando Magic's offseason. But first, 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 we got to bust through those walls. We got to get through that daily grind. We got to get to the end of our day. Run through the tape. And the best way to do that is with Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take. Comes in one and a half ounce packages. You can put in your briefcase, your golf bag, or in your pocket. Fits anywhere and is right there when you need it. BuiltGo is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and much better results. 
It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. But how does it work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work, beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks in to keep you going strong with B6 and B12 vitamins. Go to visit BuiltGo.com and pr- use promo code LOCKED, LOCKED, just LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and, 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 you know, like Gordon, Gordon kind of has it in his mind that he can be a superstar player. And, and we've all kind of gone every summer just asking, like, when is Gordon going to make the star leap? Is this year that Gordon makes the star leap? Well, this is kind of his prove it year. Like, it isn't a contract year for Aaron Gordon, but it certainly feels like it because without Jonathan Isaac there to kind of crowd him or to, to cloud his future, you know, this is his chance to show what he can do and to kind of, kind of say, like, hey, I can be a part of your future or I can be part of some other team's future. I, you know, I think, I think Gordon has a lot to prove this year. And honestly, just like last year, the success of the magic season and what they're, what they're capable of doing will depend on what Aaron Gordon does on the court and and what he does and what kind of player he wants to be. Yeah. I think even more without Jonathan Isaac, you know, knowing for certain you don't have Isaac and I wouldn't count on Fournier being as good as he was last regular season. Um, so yeah, so I think even more is on Aaron Gordon. I think, you know, what Vooch is, um, you know, what Terrence Ross is and folds. Maybe there's, I don't want to say maybe, I think there is still a I little mean, bit Fultz, more Fultz, there. Fultz yeah. is, I mean, Fultz is essentially the, the, this is essentially his off season between his rookie yep. and his second year. It's and a, and yep. so We'll, we'll, I think we'll have, a, we'll have a better picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that's my other thing too. I, I had to remind somebody the other day. I'm like, I'm like, I know, you know, we're all kind of like, what's the deal with this kid, but he's 22. You know, yeah. and point guards always take a little while longer. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I really liked everything he did last year. Do, do I wish he was a shooter like he was in college? Absolutely. I do. But if he was, the magic wouldn't have him. Because he never would have got traded from Philadelphia. And, and, and I think, and I think that's a really important point to remember about Fultz. And 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 I, I tell people this all the time, like who are like, oh, the Magic need to put the ball in Fultz's hands more. And I'm like, yeah, they did. But you look at how Steve Clifford brought him along. Yep. Like he trusted him more and more. I mean, Clifford's trust is very hard to get, especially if you're a young player. Like Clifford is a very demanding coach. He expects you to do, you know, your role and to kind of stay in that role. And and the way he treats young players is, if you you know fit the role, your first role, and do really well in it, then your role slowly expands. But you think of it this way, like the Magic didn't even know they'd have Markel Fultz until what, two weeks before training camp? Three weeks before training camp? Yeah. Steve Clifford probably built his entire season game plan. And again, Steve Clifford's very meticulous about his planning. Um, and, and I think one of his weaknesses as a coach is he sometimes doesn't um, adjust in, in season or in games as quickly as maybe he should. Like he's very... He's going to play his plan out until it's very clear it's not working. He's going to give everything a chance to succeed or fail. 
yep. um, for better or for worse. And when when something clicks with Steve Clifford, he rides it like super hard, and and that's that's what happened in in, in nineteen. Um, but he did not have the chance to plan all offseason for Marco Fultz. They didn't even know what to expect from Marco Fultz. Like literally those first few games, it was just like let's just throw him out there and see what let's he see. can do, and just kind of yeah. like keep him keep him with that bench unit and see what happens. And it was like. Honestly, the fact that Fultz started five games into the season was incredible. Like that, 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 that showed you how good they believed he can be, and slowly they expanded his role. So not only does Fultz have a full offseason now to get better and actually work on his basketball skills, Clifford has a full offseason to plan how to use Fultz more effectively. And so I think I, I do think Fultz is due for a better season. Uh, you know, he'll he'll make improvement just because you know young guys going through the league for the first time, he'll 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 get better. Um, and just how much better is going to be the real question. And um, before, to, yeah. Sorry, and one last, I just want no, to no, say. No, 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 go for it, go for it. Because I think it's a little interesting, too, to think if you don't have that um, that uh, insurance policy, that crutch, call it what you want, of DJ Augustine behind him, does he, does he step up his game even more? Because that guy's not there now. You know, he knows it's my job. So that was you know, the, this is it, and I, and I think that could could be big for him. And then I just looked in the playoffs. You know, I know it was five playoff games, and you know it was what it was. But he did take you know over three threes a game, and he shot thirty seven percent. You know, so maybe made made more threes than made more threes than Ben Tobias Harris. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, well, you and I made as many threes as Ben Simmons, so that's you know, pretty, <laughs> also pretty true. good too. Also so, true. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, you know, I I just I. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I struggle. This one, I struggle to be biased too because I'm rooting for the kid. I want him to make it. So I think, you know, the, there's that factor in there too. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what I saw from him in the restart. I thought he was really aggressive. I thought he, I thought if you really take the whole body of the season, he came so far as a playmaker and someone who could competently run the offense that I thought that was really impressive too. And I think the thing that was coolest to see was there were points in this season when Markel folds, you could tell he would look at the guy guarding him. It was like, you can't guard me. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm taking you. I'm going to take you off the dribble. I'm going to get to the shot I want to. There was no um, passivity left in his game. It was I am going uh, to get to where I want to be, and that's the thing that excited me. I, most I am. Him. I am. I am not the biggest believer in clutch specific stats because I, 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 especially at least in the regular season, clutch minutes don't. You know, like I'm. I'm. I, I agree with Steve Clifford. It's a 48 minute game, and clutch minutes to me aren't more important than anything else. But I do think they matter in the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken. Fultz led the team in points per possession uh, in clutch minutes. Like he was the guy that made some of the biggest shots that the Magic had all year. I mean, you think about yep. that Lakers game. I think the Grizzlies yeah. game. He made some big shots. Um, like he he was not afraid of the big moment and took some very big shots uh, this season. Um, kind of building off the DG Augustine point. This is kind of where I want to leave leave our conversation here. Um, I agree. I don't see the Magic bringing back DJ Augustine, but I actually think that that could be a humongous loss for the team. Big time. How how important and 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 not necessarily just just you know for the Fultz thing, but how important is it? Do you think for the Magic to find another veteran veteran that can kind of you know Augustine? I don't think people realize this. He kept everyone loose. He kept yeah. everyone focused. Like he he played a major role for the team. And honestly, if if he's willing to stay on a one year deal at like one year four or one year five, I'd be happy to have him back for another year. Just on that on that number, just just for this team, because I think I think he was very vital to to Fultz's development. How important is it for the Magic 
to find either re-sign Augustine for that reason or to find another veteran to kind of fill that role and be that whisper, be that that whisper in Fultz's ear sometimes. Yeah, I think it's huge because there's nothing else at that position. While Michael Carter Williams can do some of that, I think now we're seeing he's a little bit better as kind of your secondary playmaker who has a defense first type role. So as I look, you know, around the league, um, you know, DJ's value is going to be huge because you have a whole bunch of teams that would say, man, I'd love to have him as our backup point guard. And that's where where he's at at this point in his career. He's what, he's 33 now. Yeah. He's, he's up there in a week or so. Um, so he, he is, um, you know, that that's, you know, really where he's at. So I think it really starts to become here. If you are the, uh, if you're the magic, I would even give him, you know, if you wanted to give him one year, you know, 7 million, that's fine. It, it's really kind of years, not dollars, because it's not going to get too silly, you know, for him. He's, no one's going to give him $10 million or anything like that. So I think... If the Knicks do have room. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but he's not He's not a six foot ten power forward. So they're... they're not he's yet. Immediately, he's immediately out. Plus, they, they like point guards who can't shoot, and DJ shoots. That's true. Hard, that's true. So. That's true. Um, but yeah, no, but if not him, yeah, you got to replace him, and you got to replace him with somebody who's good, because as much as, you know, we just, you know, kind of a little Fultz love fest here. We don't know that you can necessarily count on him to play in, you know, 70 games or whatever the length of the season's going to be. And, you know, maybe he misses time, but, but you still want something in reserve behind him. And as a, as it stands right now, he's the only point guard on the roster under contract. So I think it becomes really important. I think you got to draft somebody at the position this year. I, that's where I would be looking to use that draft pick. It's a good draft for point guards. So I'd be looking to get a point guard in there. And then if it's not, not keeping DJ around, yeah, you got to look like, like a guy like Jeff Teague could make some sense. You know, a veteran who, you know, can, you know, can, can just kind of step in. He can play as, you know, let's say Fultz is probably going to be 28 to 30 minutes a game next year. So, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, you know, for, from that guy, you know, a guy like uh, Matthew Delavadova. None of these guys are going to get anybody. No one's going to be running out in order in their jersey. Um, you know, Brandon Knight. Like, you know, those are the veteran guys that I think you need, but you need somebody like that because the last thing you want to do is go into a position where Fultz goes down and now what? And not now you're stuck with, you know, nothing there. So I do think, um, you know, that's the direction you need to really be focused on. I would be, I, I would say maybe more than anything, that backup point guard position is probably priority number one for the magic as they're currently structured today with the guys who are under contract and expected to be back. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the only reason you wouldn't do that is if you, you half expect to, to tank the season and just yeah. go for Kate yeah. Cunningham. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, we can talk enough. Too, sorry. I want to throw one other oh, name. No, throw, too, throw, throw one more name. Throw one more name. Brad Wanamaker, I think would make yeah, he'd be good. Um, for the magic, you know, the guy, he can actually shoot the ball. He's um, led the league in free throw percentage last year. Not a lot of people know that, but you know, just a good solid veteran. He's, you know, a number of years overseas, um, played really well for Boston. He, I don't think the Celtics are going to make him a restricted free agent just because of some of the other stuff going on on their roster. Um, but yeah, I think he's a guy who would really fit in well um, in Orlando and he'd probably come pretty cheap too, which I think is going to be you know important for them also because I don't think they want to be spending too much money on backup point guard because at that point then we'll just retain DJ and move forward with what you had. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that definitely, definitely good. Definitely good thought. I'm still acquainting myself with this free agent class, and, and I mean, <laughs> I think I think going, most. Man. It's coming fast. Uh, and I'm getting. It's gonna come fast and furious. Um, uh, luckily, luckily, I don't have to worry about mid level guys. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think the the going thought is the Magic need to find shooting first, or whoever yeah. they sign needs to 
needs to shoot a little bit um, just, just to add that element to it. But for sure, there are a lot of good options in the draft from, you know, Kira Lewis to Tyrese Maxey to uh, Theo Maladon. There, there, there are plenty of, of options in the draft to fill that backup point guard spot. I'm a little worried about filling the backup spot with a rookie um, just because I think a, a rookie threatens faults more than a veteran would. Like a veteran you would bring in, he'd know he's the backup. And, and honestly, I think I think just having a veteran kind of steady hand um, helps. helps. And I think so, you well, want I think, rookie to be clearly your third guy um, yeah. with a veteran in between them. With the idea of the rookie is here to do something, maybe you even get somebody who could be like a combo guard and play a little bit with Fultz too. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that would you know ease things in. Your, yeah, because you your priority needs to be with with that position is with Fultz knowing this is your job. There's no we're not trying to replace you. There's no question, you know. But we're just you know trying to add to our depth and and I yeah I think he would get it. Um, but yeah, you if you you know do anything too crazy there, then all of a sudden it becomes like, well, wait a minute, wait like. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What is it? But I think, you know, as much as his team, I think talking to people around the league, the sense I'm getting is, We've squeezed about as much out of small ball as we can. I think the next evolution coming in the NBA is dual ball handlers. Um, we saw how much mileage Toronto got out of that with Lowry and Van Vliet, how good Houston was with Harden and Westbrook. I'm not talking super high high usage, guys. My Boston accent came out there really bad. Um, but it, uh, I'm not talking that they have to be you know real high usage or anything like that. I just think these are guys – dual ball handlers and if that means they're really kind of two point guards together as long as one of them can handle the the uh, bigger guards defensively which like Lowry can for Toronto I think that's the next evolution that the game's going to go in is we want to have multiple playmakers on the floor that can really run and handle an offense because we see what happened when teams take it away um, with the one guy who can really run an offense it makes a mess of everything uh, Miami made the finals with Dragic and hero kind of doing that um you know from the backcourt position and, she, and jimmy so, butler also handling the ball exactly there. Yeah. yeah so i just think that's where we're headed now is i i don't 
I don't know how much smaller we can get, um, you know, as far as, you know, trying to get rid of big men. There are some people who think the big man's going to, now that's become the new market inefficiency, and that'll be the way to play. But I just, I have this sense in my mind that dual ball handlers. So I think because Fultz has such good size and can defend off the ball just fine, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to, to get another point guard that you could pair with them. Because the problem for the Magic all too often is creating offense. You know, yeah. they, they just don't have guys who can create off the dribble. So I think one more guy who can do that, huge, that would really open things up for everybody on the roster, not just that player coming in that can do that. And 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 Clifford Clifford showed last year that he's going to play the best players regardless. Yep. Like a, a lot of fans complained about the lineups that had Michael Carter-Williams in at shooting guard alongside DJ Augustine or Markel Fultz. But the numbers, at least when you're paired with Fultz and, and, or with, with Augustine, um, as long as one of those two guys can shoot, uh, because you got Fultz and Carter-Williams are just, you know, defenses – Defenses will say if you're going to shoot threes and make them, we'll lose. That's okay. You're yeah. not going to. You're not going to do that. Like the Bucks, the Bucks, the whole playoff series, the Bucks essentially bet that Gary Clark couldn't make threes. He yep. made threes in game one. He made threes in game four. Um, but he didn't make threes otherwise. And and, and that was the bet that the Bucks made the entire series. And and that was a winning bet against a team like the Magic. So I, I agree with you. I think I think where the, I, I would I would extend this to to I would extend it to this. I think the evolution we're going to see in the NBA. Is is a value on pure skill. Like positionless basketball is here. Yep. Um, it's 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 about the skills that you bring as a player. Like Anthony, like Anthony Davis is going to become the prototype center where he is amorphous. He can he can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. And you know, I think the Magic to some extent. I hope Mo Bamba can do that because Bamba's already got the shooting shooting part down. It feels like at least for a center, if he can become a post player too, if he can build the muscle to kind of protect the rim a little bit more and protect the paint a little bit more. Um, you know, the idea with Bamba is, you know, he he's mobile enough that he can guard on the perimeter a little bit too. And, you know, you know, you're seeing that with Jokic where he's a skilled player. He can pass, he can shoot, he can score in the low block. Vucevic is kind of a light version of that in a lot of ways. It's to me, what Miami showed is if you get a bunch of shooters and have a bunch of guys who are skilled and, and can do multiple versatile things, what position you play doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, it, it's about being able to do multiple things and give your line Give your lineup multiple things, especially passing and shooting, and, and I think that's that's ultimately what's going to become valued in, in the league and, and what the championship teams are going to be able to do. Because again, Luka Doncic is a great example of this too. Um, he's a small forward who plays point guard. Ben Simmons is a power forward who plays point guard. He can do Simmons will retain value because he can do multiple things. Um, the shooting certainly hurts um, with the lineups that they have, but if they can get, you know, if Embiid can become a better shooter, if they can get more shooters around him. Suddenly, like I, I don't, I, I mean, honestly, like I, I don't think Maury's a bad fit with Simmons. They're going to make Simmons their point guard. It's not going to be debate anymore. He's going to be the point guard, and that's how they're going to run their, their 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 team. Well, you know what's funny with that is, um, they asked him today at the or they asked I him saw. a long time ago, but yeah, you know, what would you do if you had Shaq? And he said, if I had Shaq, I'd throw it to him a million times. You know, and that's how we would play. And now he's like, I have Joel Embiid now. He's a great player. You know, we're going to make sure he's, you know, gets the ball. I think people got stuck on this. Well, this is how Maury plays. And then especially this year because he doubled down on the small ball. Well, I think what he actually did is what, 99% of the coaches would say they want, if not even 100%, is give me the roster that wins the way I want to play. Then I think that is what's so important because what he did was he gave Mike D'Antoni a Mike D'Antoni roster by the end of that that run. And that that was, you know, really important. So so yeah, I think it is um 
you know, it, it gets overblown, but you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's positionless now. It's, you know, you need to be able to do a lot of things. I think the side that gets forgotten with that, you just need to be able to defend and rebound. And, you know, if you're the magic, if you go slightly positionless, as long as everybody can kind of defend the perimeter, you're okay. Because Vooch is one of the best rebounders in the league. He'll take care of the backboards. You probably don't need to worry about it overly much, you know, with him in there. So I think you're pretty uh, well set to do some different things and give some different looks. And you're right. That's why Michael Carter-Williams played. But I think it's also, let's give Michael Carter-Williams credit for kind of reinventing himself and saying, you know what, fine, I'll be a defense first wing. I'm never going to shoot it well enough to be a lead point guard in, in this league anymore. You know, and it, that's that's a harder transition to make because a lot of guys at his age would still be stuck on, hey, I, I won rookie of the year. You know, like I, you know, was, you know, the best rookie in the league that year. I was better than, you know, you know, 60 other guys in the league and all these things. At the but to say it, he was, I was better than Oladipo and Giannis. Yes, that's and it. McCollum you know? and McCollum. Yeah. But, you know, I think he, you know, he clearly was humbled through, you know, a series of moves and that. And I think for him to do that kind of mid-career reinvention of, you know, hey, I can still run your offense, but if what you need me to do is be your, you know, dogged defender and get in there and really defend a lot of bigger players and kind of, you know, be, beat them up and, you know, take take those hits, I'll do that for you. And I think that's huge. And that's that's why I think, you know, it's funny. I was, looked, I was asked by someone the other day, of all the Magic free agents, who do you think is most likely to come back next season? And I said, it's probably Michael Carter-Williams. You know, because I took Fournier out of the mix. And I said, I just, I think he, Clifford. Even then. And I think, you know, I think he'll be back. Like, like I think, I think, um, you know, he's the guy who's going to be back of, of all of them because I just think he makes a lot of sense with that team and what they want to be. And, and, you know, everyone need every team needs a guy with a little bit of an edge. It's not afraid to, to get under people's skin. And, and that's something the magic have struggled to have throughout their entire history. I mean, there's a reason why people still love Matt Barnes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I look at this roster and I'm like, it's just a team full of great guys. Yo, all super nice. And MC and MCW is a great guy too. So, like, don't get me wrong. He, well, is, he, a, is. he is a he's good, just, good dude. Yeah, but he'll like, he can be. He, he yeah. can be. He can be a dick on the court. And, but, and every team, every good team needs a dick. I'm sorry. Saying, every team. I'm sorry needs, to be so vulgar about it, but no. But every team needs their. I, I always say that every team needs their a hole, right? And that's you know that that's not a bad thing. You know that that's why um that's why Marcus Morris keeps getting signed by teams and Markeith Morris. Because that's the role they play for you, and there's a reason why they're on good teams and they win a ton is because that's what they do. So yeah, if that if that's what Carter Williams can be, he's the guy who you know, hey, you knocked our guy down, I'm gonna knock you down on the other end. That's not the worst thing in the world. You need guys like that. The Magic, unfortunately, you know, over recent years, they just haven't had you know guys like that. They they've been you know maybe you know I bet if you voted, they would have got voted maybe one of the nicest teams in the entire for sure. League. And, you know, and that's for sure. And that, and that's the kind of edge you need when you get to the postseason too. When you're seeing a team four, five, six, seven times in a two week period, you need guys who are going to be like, I'll get into it with them. I'll mix it up, and that's exactly what Carter Williams is. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we could we could go another hour on this. Um, Fifteen minutes alone on James Ennis, who we didn't even talk about in this in this right. podcast. He's probably going to pick up his player option and, and be the starting small forward next year. But but Wait, um, we've got a half yeah. hour in us on Wessel Windu and Melvin Frazier. I'm sure. Oh, you do do not get me started on Wessel Windu like that. That team option is a big one. Um, but no, no, we could we could talk for another hour on this Magic team. Like you said, they like you said way back when in the before times. They're they are in an they are in an interesting spot, but certainly one that is not as dire as some some paint it. And certainly there are still options ahead of them. Um, the 2021 season 
for regardless of what they do this offseason will be an important one as they as they look ahead to to the big free agent summer in 2021 as well as the extensions and the and the new contracts for Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz that the future is certainly going to be put in motion even if the magic decide to stand still a little bit again and run things back for another year. Um Keith where can everyone find you um, if they want to they wanna ask you any salary cap questions or off-season questions or, or find your writing? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Um, you know, get, get in my mentions, send me anything there. If you really want to ask something that's more complex or something you don't want to ask, my email is in my bio. Um, if you send me an email, I promise I will read it. I do my best to get back to everybody. It sometimes takes me a little while, um, but I do really read them and I do try to re- reply. And then you find my written work at Yahoo Sports, Real GM. And if you are looking for Celtics-specific coverage, Celtics blog is part of SB Nation. Yep, and it's always great to have you on here, Keith. We'll probably talk to you again at the beginning of the season after the dust settles and figure out where the magic are. Once again, because if there's one thing we know about the NBA is that it changes constantly and (laughs) often very, 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 very suddenly and in an unexpected way. So, well, we'll see what what things have in store this month as the the NBA offseason finally gets going. Um, We'll see what happens on draft night, November 18th, and and talk to you sometime shortly after then, I am sure. Um, Keith, Thanks again for coming on. Uh, always, always love talking to you, bud. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Y'all say something. Thanks again to Keith Smith for coming on the podcast and talking all about the Magic offseason. A very wide-ranging conversation. We talk, hit on a bunch of different issues. Where the Magic stand with their cap, what the future of the NBA is going to look like, what they could do with Aaron Gordon, what they need to be planning with, with Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac's development, a whole bunch of different issues uh, for the Magic this offseason. If you missed the first two parts of this podcast, of this episode, or the first two parts of that conversation, you can find them in our two previous episodes of Locked on Magic. Just go back into the archives, wherever you download your podcast. Uh, I believe I labeled it something like a, a window into the future with Keith Smith or something to that effect. Um, parts one and two, you can catch those uh, on our archives again uh, as as we discuss the offseason for the Orlando Magic. You can follow Keith Smith again on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Have a great weekend. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.